And we know that as we gather, our whole heart's desire is just to host his presence. We just host his presence and we worship him with all of our heart. And in his presence, the spirit of prophecy resides. He speaks, he prophesies according to scripture. He brings encouragement, he brings word, he brings scripture. He sings, he edifies, he exhorts, he gives prophetic activations, the flags that were brought forth out of Amber had a vision of them being up front in the midst of that song, as that song was literally singing over the nations and the rock that we know of Christ, the center of it all. And we know that he's always moving. And the psalmist prophetic ministry, we're going to see a little bit of that even today in the word. But I just want you to be encouraged that everything we do is to give God glory. I always tell everybody, we're not just going to church, we are the church. And the church is called to love him, praise him, acknowledge him, and just follow him, right? So, Father, I ask that you would anoint this word and that every ear will hear today. I entitled it, Fill the Trenches with Water. So if you can go to 2 Kings 3, if you could pull up the New Living Translation from that. 2 Kings chapter 3. This is pretty lengthy. I'm going to read all the way through. And I'll come back and just kind of bring the message from it. Hopefully it will work up there for you. The introduction to this is a few points you need to understand as we go through. It was that the nation of Israel was divided into two kingdoms. It was supposed to be one, but due to life and sin and the nature of mankind, we're divided into two. The northern kingdom was known as Israel, and the southern kingdom was known as Judah. And this is an account here in 3 Kings of Joram of Israel, which was the northern kingdom. He's a king, okay? And Jehoshaphat of Judah of the southern kingdom. And we're going to talk about a third king, the king of Edom. So in this passage, we're going to see three kings, three nations, Joram of Israel, which is the northern kingdom, Jehoshaphat of Judah, the southern kingdom, and the king of Edom. The enemy, the bad guys, I call it, is the king Mesha of Moab, okay? And then the prophet Elisha is going to get in the middle of it. Okay, you ready? Okay. This is war between Israel and Moab. Ahab's son, Joram, began to rule over Israel in the 18th year of King Jehoshaphat's reign in Judah. He reigned in Samaria 12 years. He did what was evil in the Lord's sight, but not to the same extent as his father and mother. He at least tore down the sacred pillar of Baal that his father had set up. Nevertheless, he continued in the sins that Jeroboam, son of Nebat, had committed and led the people of Israel to commit. Verse 4, King Mesha of Moab was a sheep breeder. He used to pay the king of Israel an annual tribute of 100,000 lambs and the wool of 100,000 rams. But after Ahab's death... The king of Moab rebelled against the king of Israel. 
Verse 6, so King Joram promptly mustered the army of Israel and marched from Samaria. And on the way, he sent this message to King Jehoshaphat of Judah. The king of Moab has rebelled against me. Will you join me in battle against him? And Jehoshaphat replied, why, of course, you and I are as one. My troops are your troops, and my horses are your horses. Then Jehoshaphat asked, what route will we take? We will attack from the wilderness of Edom, Joram replied. And the king of Edom and his troops joined them. And all three armies traveled along a roundabout route through the wilderness for seven days. But there was no water for the men or for their animals. Verse 10, what should we do? The king of Israel cried out. The Lord has brought the three of us here to let the king of Moab defeat us. But King Jehoshaphat of Judah asked, Is there no prophet of the Lord with us? If there is, we can ask the Lord what to do through him. One of, the king, one of King Joram's officers replied, Elisha, son of Shephat, is here. He used to be Elijah's personal assistant. Jehoshaphat said, yes, the Lord speaks through him. So the king of Israel, King Jehoshaphat of Judah, and the king of Edom went to consult with Elisha. Why are you coming to me? Elisha asked the king of Israel. (laughs) Go to the pagan prophets of your father and mother. But King Joram of Israel said, no, for it was the Lord who called us three kings here, only to be defeated by the king of Moab. Elisha replied, as surely as the Lord Almighty lives, whom I serve, I wouldn't even bother with you, except for, the res- for my respect for King Jehoshaphat of Judah. So now bring me someone who can play a harp. Okay, here comes that psalmist prophetic, right? While the harp was being played, the power of the Lord came upon Elisha. And he said, this is what the Lord says. This dry valley will be filled with pools of water. You will see neither wind nor rain, says the Lord, but this valley will be filled with water. You will have plenty for yourselves and your cattle and other animals. Verse 18, but this is only a simple thing for the Lord. He will make you victorious over the army of Moab. You will conquer the best of their towns, even the fortified ones. You will cut down all their good trees. You will stop up all of their springs. And you will ruin all of their good land with stones. Verse 20. So the next day, at about that time when the morning sacrifice was offered, water suddenly appeared. 
It was flowing from the direction of Edom, and soon there was water everywhere. Meanwhile, when the people of Moab heard about the three armies marching against them, of course, they mobilized every man who was old enough to strap on a sword, and they stationed themselves along the border. But when they got up the next morning, the sun was shining across the water, making it appear red to the Moabites like blood. It's blood, the Moabites exclaimed. The three armies must have attacked and killed each other. So let's go, men of Moab, let's collect the plunder. But when the Moabites arrived at the Israeli camp, the army of Israel rushed out and attacked them until they turned and they ran. The army of Israel chased them into the land of Moab, destroying everything as they went. They destroyed the towns, covered their good land with stones, stopped up all their springs, and cut down all the good trees. Finally, only Ker-Hashereth and its stone walls were left, but men with slings surrounded it and attacked it. Verse 26, so when the king of Moab saw that he was losing the battle, he led 700 of his swordsmen in a desperate attempt to break through the enemy lines near the king of Edom, but they failed. Then the king of Moab took his oldest son, who would have been the next king, and sacrificed him as a burnt offering on the wall. So there was great anger against Israel, and the Israelites withdrew and returned to their own land. Wow. What a battle. <laughs> now, there's a lot of word in here, and a lot of things apply from this teaching. But I want you to understand, this is real history. This really happened. The word, the stories in the scripture are not make-believe stories. They're not fables. This is history. It's his history. Nothing new under the sun. Nothing new under the sun. Mankind, born in sin, lost in sin, submitted under pagan, heathen, fallen angels and gods, have made war against, in the beginning of time, against God and his word. Period. The spirit of truth. There's nothing new under the sun. And we know that Jesus Christ came to annihilate and destroy the curse of sin once and for all by coming as the Son of God, the Son of Man from heaven to save us, his family. He desired that none should perish. Now, Jesus was sent directly to the Jew first. He was sent to Israel first. That's why his salvation began and came from the Jews and after that, by the grace of God that we sang about this morning, the glory of God went from the Jews, from the Israel, who he had covenant with through Abraham, through the promised seed from the beginning. He came and had grace to bring in the Gentiles, right? The nations, everyone that was not of Israel, blood Israel, of the Jew, yes? 
And so he came. And since that time, his heart desire was to bring all to bring all to the Father of glory, that none should perish. And he still labors today to save souls, even the most corrupt. The only ones that cannot be saved, the scripture says, is those who have committed the unpardonable sin, which means that they have blasphemed Holy Spirit. Right? That means they've sold their soul to the devil. It's over for them now and ever. Amen? But every other sin can still be forgiven. Oh, God, thank you for your grace. So we have to understand this. In light of this, see the gospel, see the kingdom, and see the battle of mankind. These are real battles. And in the midst of this, okay, somebody says, hey, even in a divided nation, he says, you know what? We're going to lay aside our government differences right now. If you have an ear to hear, let you hear. We're going to come together in unity because if we don't, we will be destroyed. And, and in the midst of this, <laughs> King Jehoshaphat had Judah, where the Spirit of God was resting upon, is there no prophet of the Lord with us? They knew the prophets represented the Word of God. They had to have heaven speak. They had to hear what God was saying. That's how God moved. He spoke directly through his prophets. And the majority of the Old Testament is a story about that. And most of it is where Israel disobeyed God's word and did not listen to the voice of the prophets. And when they did listen, they were blessed. When they obeyed God, they were blessed. But they turned aside and worshiped other gods, false gods, pagan gods, even sacrificing their own children in the fire to the false gods. You're like, how can this be? Thus the depths of sin and deception and a power struggle. So Elisha comes in. He's got a bit of an attitude. He just, what do you want? What do I have to do to you? Why don't you go pray to your pagan gods, Right? And so he says, why are you coming to me? <laughs> Go to the pagan prophets of your father and mother. <laughs> wow. He says, no. <laughs> and he finally comes and says, okay, surely as the Lord Almighty lives, whom I serve. And he makes it clear that Elisha is saying, I serve the living God, the true God. I'm submitted to his voice and his word and his word alone. I'm not moved by any of you guys. I'm going to hear what he says. I don't want to speak that forth. Right? He says, so get me some music. I need that psalmist prophetic. Bring me the harp, right? And in the midst of that, as he began to pray, the Spirit of God came upon him. Hear it again. Hear the word of the Lord. And you've got to remember, these kings are in plains, land, as far as you can see. This is what the Lord says. This dry valley, think desert, <laughs> will be filled with pools of water. But it's not going to come through a thunderstorm. <laughs> Elijah at one point saw a cloud the size of a man's hand when he'd been praying for rain after three and a half years of drought in Israel. And he's, he and his servant are seeking this praying, praying the Lord, because he knew that he, was, he had the authority to say, that's it, the drought is over, the rains will come. And so he's praying, 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 squatting down in prayer. He looks up and he sees a cloud of the size of a man's hand. But there's going to come a storm. There's going to come a cloud that's going to bring a torrential rain to break this three and a half year drought. He knew that because he walked with him. <laughs> this was, he came. He had the double mantle of Elijah upon him. 
Okay, something greater is here. He says, it's not going to come through that. It's not going to come that way. <laughs> I love it. You're not going to see wind or rain, says the Lord, but this valley will be filled with water. You will have plenty for yourselves. Those are the armies. Their horses, you understand everything they have. You will have plenty for yourselves, your cattle and other animals. But this is just a simple thing for the Lord. <laughs> he will make you victorious over the army of Moab. Why does God do that? Mercy, grace. And for his own name's sake. You're going to conquer the best of their towns, even those that are fortified. Think Jericho 101, right? You're going to cut down all their good trees, the produce and their fields and the fruit of their land. You understand? And you're going to stop up all their springs. We're going to annihilate and ruin, remove their water source. And you're going to ruin all the land that is good. You're going to just decimate it with stones all over so that it cannot be plowed. That's called, I'm going to conquer you completely. And he uses them. And it says in verse 20, the next day about the time of the morning sacrifice, which was what was going back, going on back in Jerusalem with worship to God, that's significant, water suddenly appeared. Suddenly appeared. <laughs> wow. And it was flowing from the direction of Eden. And soon there was water everywhere. My goodness. And as they, meanwhile, verse 21, when the people of Moab heard about the three armies marching against them, they mobilized every man who was old enough, strap on a sword, station themselves along the border. But when they got up the next, all they could see was the sun shining on the water. And they're thinking that these three armies just turned on themselves because that's common, right? And it's just a, a field of blood, thinking that they had destroyed each other. Isn't that interested that the light reflected red? You understand? <laughs> oh, the blood of Jesus. But they were in for a surprise. 24, when the Moabites arrived at the Israeli camp, the army of Israel rushed out and got them. Right? And so, thus, from there on, they fulfilled everything God told them to do to the letter. Like they didn't. We know from scripture that sometimes they didn't fulfill it to the letter. He may have told them five things to do and they didn't do one and it caused them to be defeated. I'm just saying, right? They did everything to the letter here. And so I want you to understand this message is just absolutely amazing of what God can do in these battles and how he comes and how he will come and he will have you dig ditches, dig deep ditches, and God's going to come and fill it with water. The church, we have dug the ditches, the trenches, and we're going to fill them with water. And what that looks like, the church is called to continue to pray and intercede and with King Jesus for all of our days. It's nothing new. Those trenches, those ditches, what God tells us to do. Prepare the land, prepare all for the Spirit of God to come and feel all in all. The Holy Spirit is literally abiding and dwelling in these places. This intercession can be likened unto the ditches that were dug at the command of the Lord. Holy Spirit is the water that's going to supernaturally appear. 
Holy Spirit is going to come and fill these places. He's going to take what we presented to God. He's going to take what we have labored with before God. He's going to take the word of God that we speak, yes, and he's going to come and rest upon it. And then he said, this is nothing for God. And beloved, we've got to keep that in mind. This is nothing for God. Say it. This is nothing for God. Don't be deceived with the enemy's schemes, plots, and plans, and threats. Call upon the name of Jesus and be saved. Listen to what the Spirit of God is saying. He is filling our land. He's filling us up. This represents his movement and divine power. The Holy Spirit comes and fills what has been dug up, what has been prepared before him, where obedience has come. He's going to fill these trenches. The church must be confident in Holy Spirit. I feel that many have lost their confidence. We have to restore our confidence. We have to restore our confidence. We have to have the mind of Christ, correct? We have to have the mind of Christ. We have to fulfill what God has told us to do. Restore your confidence in God, in his word, in the prayers, in the movement of his saints. This is a small thing for him to do. The church must be confident in Holy Spirit. That's why they called for the word of God. That's why they called for the word of God, right? That's why they called for the word of God. Verse 15, bring me a musician. And it happened when the musician played that the land, the hand of the Lord was upon him. And he said, thus says the Lord, make this valley full of ditches. Get it ready. God's going to fill it. And this is little for him to do. We got to restore our confidence, not in you, not in your nation, not in your ability, but in God. You understand? He'll bring those who are at war amongst your own government to come in line supernaturally for his purposes to be done. Because Ezekiel said what? I will be made known in the eyes of many nations. And even his own nation that's gone astray from his heart and the other pagan nations who've gone astray from his heart will know that he is the Lord. It's all about him being glorified. And he shall be glorified. And our eyes are being opened to that. Amen? Scripture's clear. If you bless Israel, you will be blessed. If you curse Israel, you'll be cursed. It's really simple. Genesis 12. So the people of God better be in line. (laughs) Well, I just don't know which side to be on. If you bless Israel, you will be blessed. If you curse Israel, you will be cursed. Do the math. Right? (laughs) Oh, the blood of Jesus. This battle, we have dug the trenches, fill them with water. The church is called to pray and intercede. King Jesus is leading that. Okay, this is what it looks like. Spirit of God is going to miraculously appear in those ditches, in those trenches. This is his movement and his power. I've tried to encourage the fog all week. Think of it. The global church, every nation that has heard of the Lord Jesus Christ. There are still some unreached people groups, believe it or not. That's why the gospel, Jesus said the gospel is going to be preached to all nations. And then the end shall come. So it's all about the gospel. He's saving people, right? Even the ones you don't like. Because even in the nations where you don't like it, there's saints in those nations. They've been born again by the blood of Jesus. Not all of them are bad guys. 
He's got his family there, right? So he's calling the church globally to pray right now. My God, that's power. 24-7, because look at our clock we're on. This is nothing for the Lord. He knows what's going down. It's all in our Bible already. We've already got the plan written out for us. And so we know that Jesus is king. So now personally, what does this mean? What does God need to fill with his spirit in our lives? We need his presence. He'll bring the increase. God wants to supernaturally fill all the areas of our lives, our hearts, our mind, our will, our emotion, our soul, our spirits. Our job is to open our heart, right? <laughs> That's it. Dig it open. There we go. <laughs> so he can fill all. Allow God to be our all in all. And whatever the Spirit of God says, do it. Whatever the Bible says, do it. And you'll have success. Dig the ditch. Open the hard places of your heart. We're in West Texas. We understand the dirt. It's hard. <laughs> Unless you've thoroughly plowed it up and taken good care of it. It's just what it is. But dig the ditch because hard hearts sometimes do not receive the spirit of truth. Call upon the prophet Jesus Christ and seek his word. That's what they knew to do. Is there a prophet somebody? Hey, we really need the word of God here. Yeah, there's this Elisha. Well, church, who's your prophet? Jesus Christ. Call upon him. Look for that word. What do you need to fill these places in your soul? It is a day of increase and suddenlies. It's a day of supernatural increase in our lives. The same Holy Ghost that was here is here. It's the same God, same word, same spirit. We keep saying that. Holy Ghost in us, we actually have a better covenant. Because we are the temples of the Holy Spirit. He lives in us. Hallelujah. Because of what Jesus did. The blood of Jesus shall be seen supernaturally over the Spirit's dominion within us. So when the enemy looks at you, he's like, hey, look at all that blood. <laughs> or it's, what's that red glow over them? It's the blood of Jesus that covers us and washes us whiter than snow. This entire passage demonstrates the principle that God wants us to prepare for the blessing he wants to bring. Listening to him, we are to anticipate his working and get ready for it. Look for the glory of God. I say it all the time. Father, show us your glory. Look for the glory of God. Guard your eye gates and your ear gates. The devil wants you to stare at the evil. Do not. Look up. Your redemption draws out. Look into the face of Christ. If you're going to look at something, look at the cross. And look what our Jesus did to save us. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I received this word on October 10th. He is faithful and he is true. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse, verse 4 through 7. This is in regards to Holy Spirit and all of his gifts. He says, there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit there are diversities and differences of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but is the same God who works all in all. <laughs> 
but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. So God is saying this, I have all these gifts of the Holy Spirit that I'm going to give to you, my beloved bride, my church, individually and corporately. And within the corporate body of Christ, there are different ministries, roles, and functions. And I'm going to anoint each individual with with what I had proposed and anointed and called you for. And I am going to stir up, you have access to every gift of my Holy Ghost at any time, any place. But I'm going to anoint you with certain gifts that you alone are called to carry. But they're all out of the same pool of the Holy Ghost. He's going to anoint you and call you up front and center to use them. Don't just walk around and say, hallelujah, I have the word of knowledge and never use the gift. I just want to heal people. I know I have gift of healings. Then get your hands on people that are sick and get them healed. I want to cast out those dumb demons, then go cast them out in Jesus' name and quit playing around. Prophesy, right? Tongues, interpretations, tongues. You understand? All the gifts of the Spirit, miracles, prophecy, all of these gifts are to be honored. But listen to this. It is God who works all in all. Keep your focus. He's not just exalting someone over there. It's the entire body to this day all the way to the end of the age that God is working in, with, and through, he is in all. God is working in all. God, same God, same God, same God, the one we just talked about, who is working all in all. You hear it? Now go a little bit further, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 20. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 20. Stay with me. He says, now Christ is risen from the dead. He's become the first fruits, means he was raised first, of those who have fallen asleep, those who have already died. For since by man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. Hallelujah. That's our hope. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ, in Christ, In Christ, all shall be made alive, but each one in his own order. Christ, the first fruits, he was the first to be risen from the dead, correct? Afterwards, those who are Christ's at his coming, resurrection at his coming, and then comes the end when he delivers the kingdom to God the Father, and when he puts an end to all rule and all authority and power. My goodness. For he must reign until he puts all of his enemies under his feet. This last enemy that will be destroyed is death. Right? Because we know it's appointed unto man to die once. Once. Yes and for all. There's no reincarnation going out there. Okay? I'm just saying. Okay? You die, you're dead. That's it. Okay? So he says, he has put all things under his feet. But when he says all things are put under him, well, it is evident that he who put all things under him is accepted. Verse 28. So now, when all things are made subject to him, then the Son himself also will be subject to him who put all things under him that God may be all in all. Can you hear it? That God may be 
in all, through all, all in all. The son simply obeyed the wisdom of God. Before the foundation of the world, it says that he was crucified before the foundation of the world. God knew from the beginning the storyline, and he already had a way and a method to bring all back to the Father. But know this, it's the same God who works all in all. God will be in all of all, and God is going to be glorified. And that's where our church have our eyes and our focus. Amen? Last scripture, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17. He reigns. God, how can I praise you today? How can I worship you through this? Keep your eyes on him. Trust me. This is a little thing for God. And he's working. And what a man sows, that's what he's going to reap. Ephesians 1 verse 17. It says that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of all glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him in the knowledge of him, so that the eyes of our understanding will be in line. This is the heart. That you would know what's the hope of his calling. What are the riches of his glory in his inheritance in us, in the saints? And what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe? According to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and then seated him at his right hand in heavenly places where he is now, far above all the dumb pagan gods, (laughs) far above all principality and power, mights and dominions, heavenly and earthly, and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. He put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. The body of Christ, that the anointed one in his anointing would be head of his church, his body, from heaven to earth and every sphere. I've given you authority to go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation that, oh my God, are you serious? The authority to prophesy and make disciples of nations, teaching them everything I've taught you to do, demonstrate the kingdom, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. That's water baptism. He said, repent and be baptized. Seal the deal, right? And and these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they'll cast out demons. They'll lay hands on the sick. They'll recover. (laughs) Signs, miracles, wonders, follow those who believe. All the gifts of the Spirit, the indwelling Holy Ghost who's on the earth in the church. Lord over all, in all, through all, with us. This is nothing. Spirit of God. He's like, well, there's, there's a storm coming, but it's not going to come the way you thought. Rain's coming. may not come the way you thought. But the Spirit of the living God is boss, Lord and King over all. His plan, His purpose. He will overcome evil with good through the body, 
through your prayers, through your hands, and through our boots on the ground. Families of God, seeking God, praying to God, devoting your whole household to God. There's no other hope. Amen? So let's stand and give him glory for what he has to say. Listen to it. Read it. And look at all that God has to say through these passages. And know it's the same God. The same God. The same God. (laughs) Father, I thank you that your word says that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Encourage your people. Encourage the saints. Comfort those who mourn. Heal the brokenhearted. Bind up their wounds, God. Restore, restore, rebuild, renew, grant repentance, God, that we would know the God that we serve. And we thank you, Holy Ghost, for teaching us. Our prayers matter. The word matters. The teachings, the classes, the worship, sitting under a harp matters. And Lord God, you would move and that you would be glorified. And we thank you for the blood of Jesus that covers all. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Good? All right. Be blessed. And if you need prayer, we're up here. We'll pray for you. Otherwise, have a wonderful afternoon in him. (laughs) Amen. This message was brought to you by the Garden Gathering Church, a family of spirit-filled believers in San Angelo, Texas. We long to encounter God's presence and equip the saints for the work of the ministry. If you'd like to find out more, go to www.thegardenstc.org to realize how the revelation of Jesus Christ can fulfill your mandate in the kingdom of heaven.